Welcome back, innovators, to our next episode of Caffeinated Innovation, still recording and airing everything here from Innovation Works headquarters here on the north side in Nova Place. I, once again, as always, Pam Eichenbaum. And I'm still Jen Van Dam, and we're still actually in a conference room, so... <laughs> We've gotten really comfortable in our in our makeshift studios over here, having fun either jumping between you know small conference room, large conference room. Maybe one day we'll even host an episode in uh, the medium conference room because we and we've also done some live episodes. So we're really we making have. our way through the spaces yeah. here on the north side. We we did an episode last season also over at Alpha Lab Gear. We did downtown we've yeah. been at point park so we are yeah we're making, we're, we're making our way the region mm-hmm. we really do southwestern pennsylvania yeah it's our entire studio <laughs> so today i'd like to welcome our next guest Catherine mott who is the ceo and founder of blue tree allied angels as well as of course the president of the board for innovation works but first as we ask all of our guests we have to know what energizes you and what caffeinates you during the day? Uh, let's start with what caffeinates me. And what I would like to caffeinate me would be an IV, probably direct <laughs> to my blood system. But I don't know. My favorite is Starbucks Venti Flat Whites. Those are my – and actually that's my afternoon drink. In the morning, I drink it black. Don't mm-hmm. – I have no – I have no explanation for it except that my palate refer – just prefers – black in the morning and cream in the afternoon. That's interesting. I know, I know. But <laughs> what energizes me, watching entrepreneurs achieve success. Mm. That energizes me. It's so funny you should ask because I was just um, on the phone with a colleague because uh, we also run a venture fund. I also have the Blue Tree Venture Fund that I founded. And so as he is building a fund and he's asking me for some advice. And we were talking about how much this, you know, this activity requires for you to be so multifaceted and multi-talented. It's not just about, you know, being able to successfully perform diligence and mitigate risk and create a successful portfolio, but what really feeds our souls. And we were, it's so funny, we were just talking about this is we're thinking about how we enjoy working with the entrepreneurs, being side by side with them and helping them figure out, you know, what roadblocks they need to um, navigate. Um, How can we introduce them to the right customers and suppliers and, you know, business development professionals. And it's like, that energizes us more than anything else. Yeah, we'll do the, you know, the mundane things we have to do as professionals. But um, that truly... I mean, if you're in this business, you are energized by the entrepreneurs, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what energizes us as well, right? Yeah. Working with the startups and being around them and helping founders and watching companies grow. It's 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 an amazing thing to be able to be in this industry. Absolutely. No, I agree. And I, I particularly find similar energy and energy in the spaces where the companies are, from my own background, working in more of the civic and the social impact space. Mm-hmm just based on what I've, you know, did prior to coming to innovation work. So that just gets me going, right? Of, oh my goodness, imagine if this technology existed in every community and with every community organizer or foundation around the world for that matter, that would really help advance and and move the mission for a lot of different causes forward. So so Jen, let me ask you, 
what's your caffeine this week? You know what? So it's the end of the summer and I'm still really enjoying my cold brew. Your cold brew. And I've perfected it. Oh. Yes. How did you perfect it? Okay. So 50% water, 50% cold brew, and three ice cubes. It's amazing. Mm. It's really good. Okay. That's it. Maybe I'll tweet that recipe so everyone everyone can try it out. Do you think you want to add a little flavor to it? No. This is perfect. Okay. Don't I don't want to change it. Okay. I don't want to innovate on she it. She sounds like a purist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's taken me so long to get to this point. <laughs> so Pam, what about you? What about me? Well, throughout the summer, I try to mix up my tried and true Earl Grey, as as our listeners know. And since it is the summer Try to loop in some iced tea, but a great treat on a weekend afternoon is the combination of the iced tea and the lemonade. So it's a little bit of caffeine, a little sugar, a little combo. You know, it's a nice, refreshing afternoon pick-me-up, especially on the weekends. During the week, I caffeinate enough in the morning to last me all day. <laughs> more more Earl Grey tea than I can imagine. But on the weekends, if I can add a little bit in a the afternoon – Helps, you know, like keeps it. the keeps the enjoyment of the sun and the <laughs> time outside going. Fun, fun. Yeah. So, Catherine, I feel like there's so much we can ask you. You know, you've been in this industry and you've done so much. Um, but can you talk a little bit about yourself? You started Blue Tree Allied Angels. You've um, been on the board for the ACA, which is uh, the Angel Capital Association. Angel Capital Association. Mm-hmm. Um, you've just you've done so much. You've helped so many companies. Can you give a little bit on your background? I come from the finance background, I guess. Um, I was in banking for 17 years, and I was um, uh, fortunate enough to have risen to executive vice president levels and did did well there. At the end of the day, I was always dreaming about a business of some kind. I mean, I would think of, and especially when we served so many businesses, but I had the good fortune to launch something um, shortly after uh, 17 years when I stepped out, and uh, and that was a small company that was acquired by a larger company, so I had a, a little bit of experience there, but it also allowed me to become an angel investor, and um, so I got I, let's say totally involved with uh, it in during the dot com era, and uh, and put my toe in the water and um, picked three companies, at, um, I small investments of course typical angel investor but that that time I didn't know it was called angel investing and uh, quite frankly didn't do so well with my three selections but that's the name of the game that's what happens. And a good friend of mine, I was talking to him about it. He was taking, um, he has a venture fund, and I basically said, how should I be doing this? This is very fascinating. And he said to me, start an angel group. They act like a micro VC. And he said, and, and uh, they just, they deploy best practices. And he said, you will learn so much about creating a healthy portfolio. And so that was the first time I've ever heard angel investor. But I did 18 months of research. At that time, there were roughly you know, 90 professionally managed angel groups in the United States. Fortunately, some of them took my call. Wow. <laughs> some of them. Yeah. <laughs> they took my call and said, I'm trying to learn the business. Would you spend time with me? And I was very fortunate. Uh, several, um, several of them did take my call and several of them 
uh, opened up their doors and provided uh, great assistance to get something started. And there was nothing here in, in Pittsburgh at the time. There was a couple of groups that tried to start, you know, but kind of fell by the wayside, particularly after post.com. Everyone, there was a, there was a great deal of investor fatigue. Um, and, uh, and people were feeling, uh, their, the contraction of their own personal public stock portfolios. So it was really very challenging for them to say, yeah, let's step in and do this. Um, but, um, um, we've, we believed, and, and I say we, and at that time I had a partner who um, eventually I bought out and he moved away, but um, we, we believed very strongly that we could sense that there was a wave of this, of all these individual investors saying, wait a minute, if we aggregate our knowledge hmm. and we aggregate our money, um, imagine the better level of due diligence we could perform. And imagine that we can spread smaller amounts across uh, a larger number of companies will mitigate our risk better. So this idea started taking off. And and at that time, like I said, there were only 90. Today, there's over 600, probably closer to 700 professionally managed angel groups here in the United States alone. I mean, it's took off in Canada and Europe and China. And now when we have these big summits and the, you know, the Angel Capital Association has a, you know, organizes a best, you know, an event for everybody to share best practices and professional development and things like that. People come from all over the world. It's become an asset class of its own. So um, I was fortunate enough. I was able to ride the wave. <laughs> yeah, that's a wonder, that's wonderful. I love yeah. learning that. So, as far as investment for Blue Tree, is there a sector or an industry that's of particular interest, both Blue Tree, but even yourself? Is there something that really sparks something in you? You know, we. So I, I will tell you when we first started. Um, it was whatever we could get excited about, right? <laughs> and um, but over time, we have learned to develop a portfolio strategy, and so um, we we about uh, ten years ago set it to be forty percent tech, forty percent healthcare, and twenty percent other. Uh, since then, what we've done is we've backed away from the other, which tend to be consumer products. Um, it, um, they tend to be a bit more capital intensive. So we're, we're managing our portfolio, what we have right now. And we've also, um, are now limiting what the life sciences portfolio to about 30% instead, because they are also capital intensive. And, um, you know, we, we realize that we can probably follow on with the tech investments much more effectively, um, they don't require, they're much less capital intensive. They don't require as many dollars. We can, we can per, uh, perform with, with our pro rata shares in the follow on rounds. We can, we can pretty much do that. Um, uh, it, it's a little harder when, you know, the investment dollars become a $60 million round and our pro rata share might be, you know, 2.8 million. <laughs> We're like, it's a little out of our league. <laughs> so we, we realize we'll, we'll do what we can with the life science companies and we'll continue to try to protect our pro rata share. Um, but, um, you know, we um, realize what we can and cannot do and know that we have to manage it efficiently and effectively. That's incredibly important. Yeah. So let's back up for a second. I want to make sure all of our listeners are able to fully understand, right, the investment strategy. So 
you said pro rata shares, talking about investment process, angel, VC. What is this language? Yeah. Let's, <laughs> so let's let's dive into some of the basics, right? So for our listeners who may be newly minted entrepreneurs, right, they haven't yet sought any investment, or for those who are really just listening to be supportive of something going on here in Pittsburgh and or even supportive of their daughters parents. exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 dive in can you share more on on that so typically um we um you set you know any professional group and again we we operate like a micro vc i mean let me say that that anything that you will see the national venture capital association recommending we will also be recommending. Um, so there is a professional set of documents for performing diligence, due diligence, and we'll want to look at, you know, it's a four-page checklist. So um, not everything will apply to each company, but the things that do is are the things that you want to look at. Um, but there is an application process. Um, our preference is for companies that have a valuation of less than $5 million. So, but they're also beyond the prototype. Um, we like to see that they have um, some pilots, studies, customer interactions. Um, that's part of the diligence to get feedback from the customers. Now, you can't do that with life sciences, but you like to see that it's more than a bench test, um, that there's a lot more proof in the science by the time it gets to us. Um, however, we still recognize that we're the earliest investor Sometimes I shouldn't say the earliest, but typically there'll be organizations like IW or Pittsburgh Life Sciences Greenhouse investing prior to us. We like to see that. Um, it helps. We know that these kinds of organizations will provide you know, the mentorship that these companies need uh, in order to present themselves to a group of investors that are pretty sophisticated. If they're acting like a micro VC, they're pretty sophisticated. Um, then they go through an application process. Um, weekly, we have a deal flow team that reviews all applications um, and uh, responds to the applications. And then by the end of the month, we're, we're identifying three to five companies that we're going to put in front of a screening committee. And that screening committee exists uh, with uh, or consists of, I should say, of people who are, have maybe some kind of a technical experience rele relevant to the companies we're reviewing and also people who are, are, are typical um, you know, investors that are part of our committee on a regular basis. So they'll pitch, they'll do their pitch because they can look great on paper, but they get in front of you and then you really take it to the next level. And so you have them, you know, do a presentation. If they make the cut um, from that, then they go into, I'd say, early diligence. No, no, like we approve this to go into diligence. It'll be a set of of items that we will prioritize to say, does this really go into deep due diligence? Because that's, I mean, it, diligence can take six weeks, you know, it's a long period of time. So we try to do some high level evaluation about the opportunity, the risk, um, the competition, the market research, things like that. Um, we also like to try to assess the team, but we know that takes a long period of time. After that happens, um, if we're the lead investor, um, we'll produce a term sheet and we'll invite 
our colleagues in to co-invest with us. So we'll reach out to colleagues around the country whom we trust and know, um, who also share their deal flow with us um, to um, co-invest with us. Um, and we'll help um, share our due diligence when the entrepreneur finds um, um, another investor that we don't know, but, you know, is pretty reputable. Um, and they'll sign like a you know, hold harm, hold harmless agreement, and we'll share our diligence with them. It helps ease the process. So, you know, that's one of the things that I think is um, in this industry, uh, too many groups don't get right, is that they should, after you learn who you can co-invest with, it's don't make the entrepreneur do the diligence six times. Right. You know, it, it, seriously, <laughs> you, know, you know, share your diligence with each other. If there's something that you want to learn more about, you want to investigate some more, then by all means do that. But don't make the entrepreneur jump through the hoop six different times doing the same thing, same things. But anyways, that's pretty much our process. Um, you know, and, um, we, if we're leading, we like to get a board seat if we can. And that we do a good job with this. And what I mean by that is we don't just say any person should be on the board. We look for the right person. Mm-hmm. We spend time with the entrepreneur. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, we can't afford a CFO right now, right? Some, we hear that frequently, you know. So let's find someone with some financial background that could serve on the board and actively roll up their sleeves and right. help you until you oh, get yeah. to a point where you can identify a CFO that works for you and you have the cash to pay for that individual. Mm-hmm. So it'll be things like that. So it sounds like you talked about, you know, what it looks like on the entrepreneur side, what what they should expect. What about on the angel side? You know, what does that look like? What's the what's a good profile for becoming an angel investor? Um, I know just stats, right? A lot of people don't even know that they could qualify to be angel investors. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that question because <laughs> I am so used to answering it from the entrepreneur side. <laughs> but yes, um, so you have to be, um, in order to invest in startup companies and take the risk, you have to be what the SEC calls an accredited investor. And they define that by saying you either have a net worth of a million dollars, not including your residence, um, so the truly investable assets, and, uh, and or, or, you earn $200,000 a year or as a couple, $300,000 a year. And you have done that. And basically, you are, you have been at that income range for the previous two years and the current year. So it basically says that, you know, you can afford the losses because there will be a number of losses that will occur. But the whole idea of building and creating a portfolio strategy is that you're um, going to have two or three that are going to be home runs and some are going to be, you know, you hit the second and third base and others will be total losses, total strikeouts. So it's the winners that make up for your losses. And so that's the reason, you know, you, you know, you have a portfolio strategy and every VC does it. I mean, it is best practices in the venture industry. Um, I find it fascinating when people think they can pick three. Uh, and because it, and then they become totally dis- disgusted with with investing in startup companies. But had they done it properly, 
they would be doing what our investors do and celebrate their wins and keep investing in startup companies because they see what happens on the other side. And that's probably a really great reason to be a part of an angel group, right? Yes. Because you're doing this together. It's a really collaborative approach. It appealed to me for that reason. Uh, that was the primary reason. I, I mean, I was pretty selfish on my part, really, to drive this is that, yeah, I could maybe do the financial review, but I was not the technical person to really understand the science. And I'm not a computer science engineer, um, but I need others to help me with that. People who know how to do the deep market research um, and know and could identify industries and introduce um, entrepreneurs to various people in industries. I mean, that's the value of what angel groups do is they work together collectively to perform the diligence with their various talents. Um, but um, you know, it's, it's more than that. They can make introductions. I, you know, there were, there have been introductions made to various companies around the country. I'm talking fortune 500 companies by members of our group that I would have never been able to open up the door for our companies, our portfolio companies. So we're, we're doing it for ourselves, you know, you know, but we're doing it for the company as well. And we know that by opening up these doors, we're helping the company be more successful and, 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 as a result of that, it, we are more successful. You've mentioned a few times about working with other angel groups around the country. Mm-hmm. Is your investment strategy similar where you're interested in investing in companies from around the country? Oh, we do that. Yes. You do? Okay. Yeah, we so do that. So the startups and companies that are invested in by Blue Tree is, you know, California, New York, Pittsburgh? In, in New York, um, North Carolina, okay. California. Chicago have been the primary um, areas that we have co-invested with some of our colleagues. Yeah. Um, and turnabout's fair play. If we're asking them to invest in our backyard, I mean, by all means, we should we should help them as well. Yeah. So it, you, you learn who you want to invest with and who you don't want okay. to invest with. And the VCs do the same thing. Oh, yeah. You know, they have their, their friends and their pals that they bring to the table when they, they land a good one. So. Yeah. Well, it's great that you're able to spread the reach of Blue Tree mm-hmm. beyond the region. Obviously, we're doing some great things here in the mm-hmm. startup community, of course. But to be able to broaden the reach of Blue Tree and also just the reach of all the great talent in Pittsburgh, I think is phenomenal. Is. I think so, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we want to jump into a little bit about your role here within Innovation Works uh, as the board president. So can you tell us a little bit about your, your work on IW's board? Uh, in the past and now in in your role as the board president, I have to say um, it's it's real honor to be the IW president. I, I tell you that's I just feel like I you know I have so much more cachet now. <laughs> but anyways, no, it's 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 truly an honor. Um, one of the things that we you know I've been here for fifteen years and actively involved in the community, and I've watched IW grow. Um, we've invested in, in multiple companies that were originally supported by Innovation Works. Um, so we really respect and honor the hard work that's being done by organizations like Innovation Works. And that includes Idea Foundry and the University Innovation Institute and CMU. I mean, we can, you know, I'm trying to think, Ascender, um, the beauty shop. I mean, there's just so many things happening here in Pittsburgh. Um, even the, 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 what is it, the federal small galley grill, you know. I mean, just so much. We have so much respect for that because what 
the work that is done at the foundation level allows us to have the opportunity to invest in companies that are ready for investment. So being part of the board, um, being being here to watch the companies come through and see their application and watch how quickly they get funded. Um, that's very impressive um, to see Innovation Works reputation in the marketplace, not just here, but across the country. Um, the other thing is, I mean, these are proud moments for me because I'm a diehard, you know, Western Pennsylvania gal. I want to be supportive of everything here. And when I see that other groups, other places around the country want to replicate what Innovation Works does, I mean, that's quite an achievement. And again, that, 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 that's Pittsburgh proud. That's Pittsburgh pride. So that's part of, of and if you, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I, I do a little bit of messing around with Twitter and every, everything good Pittsburgh gets tweeted, yeah. you know. <laughs> so love my hometown. <laughs> that's great. Well, we're both boomerangers. We are. We, and we're not even from Pittsburgh. We but We love came, it speak of ourselves yeah. as Jersey girls. I mm-hmm. don't lovingly. <laughs> I Jen does. Jen does. <laughs> we both, but we both came here initially mm-hmm. for for college mm-hmm. at different times mm-hmm. and different schools, mm-hmm. but had a great experience. Yep. Both left, mm-hmm. and then both came back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are boomerangers, right? Yeah. And right. so we are now. Pittsburgh is our adopted home. That, that which, happens. People yeah. fall in love with us. Oh yeah, they do. They so like much. this town. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and they want to stay. <laughs> exactly. We both do. And we so love it when young people want to stay. <laughs> so I think another one of the many, many reasons we wanted to talk to you on the podcast was just, you know, you're an incredible woman in this space. And for us as women also in this space, you know, we just wanted to hear maybe some of your advice for women entrepreneurs, women in VC. Um, you know, there are a lot of stats about there just aren't enough women in in tech entrepreneurship and women, especially in VC. And um, what are some of the things that, you know, either advice you would give to folks trying to get into this space, trying to stay in this space, um, and entrepreneurs who are women in this space? Um. You know, I, I have my own – what I recommend may not be right for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up a tomboy, um, played with boys. They were pretty much in my neighborhood. And, you know, so maybe, you know, for me, one of the things I think women do is they wait to be invited um, I've always learned, invite yourself. If you want to be in that game of army with those boys, you're going to have to invite yourself and tell them that you want to be the captain mm-hmm. and, you know, and and fight them for it. I'm serious. That's yeah, really yeah. what it was, you know, is, you know, that's the way it was. So I, coming from banking, which is predominantly male, um, it's the same thing. Um, you really have to invite yourself um, and be confident and one of the things men do well is they exude confidence um, even though they don't have the knowledge. Um, and women don't do that. They think they have to know everything first before they can exude knowledge. I learned early on from from men that you just exude the confidence and people will assume 
that you can learn it. And I assumed, so that's how I felt. If I don't know it, I can learn it. No big deal. Um, So that's number one. Number two is, um, as as you know, I support um, Next Act Fund, um, the all-women's group, because there are some women who aren't confident and don't feel that way. And, and, and it's, it's cultural to some extent, um, that they would much rather be surrounded by like, like people Mm -hmm. who, so they can learn it together and not be criticized Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, pointed to by the men in the room or men who will talk over them. You know, I find when men talk over me, I talk over them. Right. You know, it's like, you know, but again, it came from that um, as a child, as an adult environment. So it, so I just invited myself to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start this group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do this. And I'm just not going to let it stop me because I happen to be female. Um, there are times, I will tell you, that when – strategically I'm looking at something and I know that we need a certain, if we need a male presence, because for whatever reason, a female, Mm -hmm. someone has issues, um, you know, um, you know, there are misogynist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and they, they have issues and I need, I need us to get something or do something. Then I'll ask a male Mm -hmm. counterpart. Yeah. to go do something on the behalf mm-hmm. of the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, then the issue of being a female is not necessarily ever present. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just learn to navigate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but don't ever let it stop you. I mean, I just, you know, I, if there's anything I could say to female colleagues is don't ever feel inferior because you don't know something. Mm. Because you can always learn it. Mm. You have the capacity. You have the capability. And don't be afraid to ask for the help. Mm. Um, more people than you can imagine will step up and help. Mm. Yeah. So That's such great advice. And I, I think it's transferable beyond the entrepreneurial community, right? Mm-hmm. That we all have to remember to take a seat at the table, to mm-hmm. stand up and to respectfully, of course, assert mm-hmm. our confidence mm-hmm. and our independence mm-hmm. and not to let that kind of cultural barrier get in the way of, of success. Right. And so it's inspiring to mm-hmm. hear your story and to also see others really taking that, that stronghold within this space. One of the things I notice, though, is with younger people like you, is that it's less of an issue. And it's less of an issue with the men, Mm-hmm. as well as the women. I don't see it. I mean, it's funny. I look at our portfolio and I see women CEOs um, who have a lot of men working with them and there are no issues. Um, do you know what I mean? Whereas it, you get to my age and older, there's always some guy who has issues with women being a strong you know, they'll call her aggressive when right. they will say the male is being assertive. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, you get that, you know, but you don't get that as much, you know, so I see that. I really appreciated what you were saying about, you know, the men on your team and the men on other, um, the teams of the companies that you work with. As For me, I'm a black queer woman. And so I'm 
you know, I have to find the allies that I work mm-hmm. with, the allies um, in my communities to sometimes help with things like that. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's such an important strategy for people who are diverse and for people who really want to be allies to understand um, how to step in. And that's why I have hope. I have yeah. hope um, because your generation is going to show the way. Yeah, no, and I've seen that even within our own portfolio of entrepreneurs, yeah. right, where we have the the folks who are starting businesses, they are certainly mindful of that early on and also mindful of hearing all viewpoints, whether the person works for them or is just being supportive and really welcoming opinions from everyone in the room, male, female, black, white, whatever sexual orientation and so and gender identity and so there's really that general mm-hmm. openness which is is so wonderful mm-hmm. and so I, I'm glad to see that as an investor you're noticing that shift as well and yep. I know we can always do more to improve but it's great to see that you see that trend shifting as well yeah and and the pressure has come on the venture industry I mean and the nice thing about the angel community I got to tell you is when I first started only about four or five percent of the angel investors were women. To, you know, oh, as far as today, where it wow. stands, the Angel Capital Association accounts for 27% of the investors are female. Nice. You know, so um, that has come a long way. Whereas the venture industry still is relatively flat. Mm-hmm. They'll say they hire women, but they're all junior partners, not mm-hmm. senior partners. Mm-hmm. So they're still relatively flat. Mm-hmm. Um, that will change, um, you know, um, as we see more and more women just stepping up and starting a fund mm-hmm. and, you know, and doing well and, and I love, um, I think it was um, First Round Capital, mm-hmm. um, when they did, did their 10 years um, and 10 key le- lessons yeah. from 10 years. Lesson number one is where there was a female in the C-suite, they had a higher success rate. Mm-hmm. There's a group called All Rays, um, and they're on the West Coast and, and I think also the East Coast. And that's the work that they're doing right now is trying to – they have a date set by the time um, that they're trying to meet gender parity in right. the VC industry. And they're really working hard on that. And mm-hmm. I know I'm I, on their newsletters and things, right? So they're sending out um, you know job postings and – just everything to to really help women to get in the industry and also creating a community so that women know you're not the only one here, right? Like there are other women in the industry and, and there are people like you to look up to. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not as great as some of those, but, you know, I'm happy to have my little corner of the world here in Pittsburgh. Are you able to mentor women who want to get into the space? You know, so many people ask me for mentorship and I said if I if I stop doing – what I'm doing for our investors. So that is, I have to stay so focused. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. focused on our own portfolio companies. And if I don't, and I said, someday I will, (laughs) you know, I'll I'll be in a better position to do that. Um, But right now it's all about mentoring the success of our companies. And that's just where I have to be. I have to be focused. Um, Absolutely. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Got to focus on the the here and the now. (laughs) Yeah. But there are female CEOs. Yeah, absolutely. So can we get some advice from you then? This is, you know, could be your ignite talk, quick pitch, mentoring, um, you know, maybe three pieces of advice for any entrepreneur who's maybe trying to start their company or maybe they're a little further along and they're thinking they're ready for money. One is um, do your homework. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, entrepreneurs, I mean, they're desperate for money. 
you know, and they get a lot of no's. Um, but you enhance the probability of a yes if you do your homework. So rather than just go to any investor and hope, you know, like throwing spaghetti up in the wall and see what sticks, um, is do your homework and find the right kind of investors. Um, sometimes it's individual angels. I tell people, it, you know, I know our we say angel group, and sometimes they assume that we aren't going to do diligence and we're just going to write the check because you came in and pitched and we like you and whatever. And we're, we're not that. And that's because our, maybe sometimes uh, the misnomer of having angels because we really act like micro VCs and so do them. But I'd say about 70% of the professionally managed groups in this country act that way. So, I mean, they, they've really become, you know, sophisticated. But so if you need to tackle individual angels to help you get started, um, that, you know, that's a good idea, but know who you're, you know, who you're going to F- try to find out from other entrepreneurs, who should you talk to? Who shouldn't you talk to? Um, that kind of thing. And the same thing with angel groups, look, go online, look at their portfolio, understand what they're investing in and try to get a warm introduction. Um, we get, you know, we am bombarded with applications and, you know, but the ones that come with a warm introduction, it's going to, you know, it's going to come, go to the top. I mean, it'll, it'll be looked at first. Um, and then, so as part of your homework is learn what investors want to know. And there's so much information about their, you know, and even on our website, I, it amazes me how many times we get a call or someone will ask us and, the first some now the first question is I'm saying now how much time did you spend on our website because if you had spent time on our website it would tell you exactly in some of the documents about what needs to be in your pitch you know we direct people that typical um, art of the start Guy Kawasaki ten twenty thirty rule if you hit that you're going to hit almost everything investors want to know. Um, now they'll want to dig deeper, but if you're doing a pitch, I mean, so do your homework. I mean, don't shoot off the hip, really take your time and find out what you need to be able to say to an investor so that they truly understand your business, the value proposition and how that investor is going to make money from you. I mean, they're going to be doing the math a lot of times. So you really have to do the market research and validate that. And we're looking at, okay, if the, they're going to capture this X amount of percentage of the market, which is this percentage amount, you know, and this large, then dollar-wise, then they need to capture, you know, and if they get 1% of that or 2% of that, we're thinking, hmm, we're doing the math. That means, you know, $30 million. Hmm, now this is starting to look pretty attractive. So you, you think about those kind of things that the investor is sitting there thinking, he or she is thinking, how am I going to make money from this? And you have to deliver how you're going to do it and be able to merge that with how I'm going to do it to how you're going to make money. So just do your homework. And one of the things we do at Blue Tree is we've invited aspiring entrepreneurs to come to our screening meeting. You will hear a bad pitch. You will hear a good pitch. You will hear investor questions. You'll hear answers. And then you get to, you know, you have, you're in the room confidentially. We're going to say things in the room about what we saw, what we wish we had seen, what, you know, you could take copious notes and 
there's an opportunity right there to learn what investors want to know. So um, and the key thing is just do your homework. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I've, I've sat through a Blue Tree screening meeting maybe when I was here or at Alpha Lab. And even when I was first um, – I've been at IW for five years now. But when I was at Alpha Lab in probably my first year, I sat through one. And it was a really great way to just learn and and absorb all of the language. And, and I know I had like my checklist of, okay, he, these are all the definitions I need to go look up later. And <laughs> it was a really great way to learn about mm-hmm. the industry really quickly and learn, um, you know, what investors are looking for and, and all those, the next steps. I have to tell you a story. So um, there's a, we're, we're about to invest in a company out of Cleveland. And um, so I had the privilege of talking to this entrepreneur off and on throughout deal, diligence. And she was a um, amazing because she took a seven-week VC course and she knew the language. She knew uh. the language <laughs> and she was ready. Wow. She was, she was ready. Um, so, um, yeah, it was, it was, you could tell it was immensely beneficial for her. That's fantastic. That's mm-hmm. kind of a really good hack, right? For yeah. entrepreneurs yeah. listening, you know, <laughs> yep. really understand the VC side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that you can go into the room and and, and know what uh, the VCs are talking about, know what they are looking for and what mm-hmm. they want. It sounds like it doesn't have to be a full-out academic experience, <laughs> no. but, you know, whether it's a, a hefty book or mm-hmm. a mini course or some yeah. kind of online. And there's so much online. Exactly. There is. Mm-hmm. There's so much yeah. online. Yeah. That's such great advice. Catherine, where can we find you or where can we find Blue Tree online, whether it's Twitter, LinkedIn, your website? Uh, so our website is uh, bluetreealliedangels.com. And for the venture fund is bluetreeventurefund.com. So pretty easy. Um, and, 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 and people who Google Blue Tree Capital Group, Blue Tree Allied Angels, and the Blue Tree Venture Fund will pop up as well. Awesome. Good so, SEO. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and um, – uh, I guess that's – I have a Twitter account. I have to tell you, some personal stuff come out on the Twitter account. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm uh, uh, an, a registered independent voter and sometimes <laughs> my independence comes across and uh, um, and I'm a diehard Lutheran and so sometimes my faith comes across. Yeah. So, Well, that's anyways. great. We, we appreciate the personal nature of uh, – you know, folks sharing a little glimpse into their lives and mm-hmm. to their on their Twitter accounts, right? Mm-hmm. Within reason, of course. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of tweeting happening yeah, globally try, right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to be careful with the yes. you know, sensitive languages and, mm-hmm. and you know things like that. Exactly. That but it's it's great to know that that you're trying to engage beyond uh, the day to day and and also on some other things that interest you. So mm-hmm. wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure on caffeinated innovation. Yeah, we had a My great pleasure. time, and all of our listeners. Hope you enjoy your day and enjoy that cup of caffeine. Innovation Works is the Southwestern Pennsylvania Ben Franklin Technology Partner. Music created by Ethan Ziegler, Startable alum. Special thanks to our Season 2 producer, Sidekick Media Services. <laughs>